Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, July 16, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 94, the second paragraph, Your Candidate May. Today's readers are the 12 Steps of OA, Cassandra H., the 12 Traditions of OA, Sandy D., and our readers of the text are Deb W., Michelle H., and Rakefet. The reference number for Tuesday, yesterday, July 15th, is 6648. Again, that is 6648. The OA preamble, Over Ears Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Cassandra H. to please read the 12 steps of OA. Cassandra? Good morning, visionaries. This is Cassandra H., a compulsive overeater from Georgia. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. C, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Six, seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or ourselves. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message 
to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Cassandra. And I will now ask Sandy D. to please read the 12 traditions of OA. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sandy D., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities I pass. Thank you, Sandy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you please keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, on page 94, starting with the second paragraph, Your Candidate May. And I will now ask Deb W. to please get us started. Deb? Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Deb W. uh, in Oklahoma. 
your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. So I'm getting from this paragraph that I am giving information and I'm listening uh, to the candidate. And I can identify in at, at the point of he may rebel at the uh, thought of a drastic house cleaning because when I came into program, I came into the program because I ate too much and I wanted relief. And there, you know, coming in the door, I really hadn't bought into the fact that I would be doing a house cleaning. I would be looking at the things in my past because I really couldn't relate um, my uh, behaviors with the problem with eating too much. Um, and so we're open to not try to give him too much information at even any given point at the beginning, but we're open to give him uh, imp- let him know how the prob- program works. We don't contradict what he doesn't di- disagree, you know, what he disagrees with. Uh, we do identify in uh, by telling our story where we too felt the same way that he de- did. Um, but uh, and then the party says if he shows interest. Because, once again, this is a program of attraction. Um, he, you know, we, I, I got well because I saw others who had what I wanted. Um, and so that's, that's what I have to share. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. And who would mm-hmm. like to comment this morning on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Larry. Yes, Bella, please go ahead. We'll have Bella and then we'll have Larry. Katie, F. Okay, so we're going to go Bella, Larry, Katie, F. Bella, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Tell him you once felt as he does. Such a wonderful sentence, and this is the this is the program. This is the program of we. It's a program that we are all together, and it's such a beautiful thing that it's the first thing acceptance. It's not it's not that I am better than you. It's not that I know better than you. It's not a selfishness program that. Uh, well, if you want, I should be your sponsor, or if you want, I should tell you what I am doing. You have to accept my ideas. No, it's a program of sharing the experience, strength, and hope. And yes, it's a program that I have to work. And um, tell him that you were, you, you were there. Yes, I was there. It's not a program that I know better. It's a program that, yes, I can share my experience because I was there. I understand you. I accept you and I respect you. 
I was the same. I know what you are going through. I am not judging. I am not blaming because I was there. Yes, I had the same thought. And I want to share with you my experience, strength, and hope. What brought me to now to believe in a different way, to change my belief. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Larry, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Larry, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Um, thanks so much for your service. You know, um, with this, um, I I can only share my own experience, and, and that's the, the best thing that I can do. You know, I'm just a, another fellow traveler, you know, who got here, uh, certainly not on a winning streak um, by any means. And and my experience was personally that uh, that I wasn't was not willing to work this practical program of action that got me well for a long time. You know, I, I wanted to uh, debate um, internally. I wanted to debate with others. I wanted a softer, easier way because it was painful to do the program of action. You know, steps one, two, and three for me were seemingly quite easy. I, I felt uh, that I certainly understood I had a problem and uh, began to learn more about that problem um, and, and understood that there, you know, that, that I had an allergy to the body and an obsession of mind. The thing was, is when it got, for me, when I got to step four, that's where, you know, these action steps start. And I never followed through with anything that was the least bit uncomfortable for me. And I'll be darned if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to do that. I want this program according to the way that I'm most comfortable having it. That was where my thinking was. And no amount of frothy emotional appeal or persuasion. I think a lot of times we try to persuade others to do it. Um, you know, I'm nobody's therapist. I'm compassionate. <laughs> I, I try to be, you know, because this is all God has changed me. So I... I try to be compassionate. I try to uh, to be there and to be helpful. But I'm doing a disservice to others, I've learned, if I am trying to persuade them. Just just work the steps. Just No, no one could have convinced me to do that. The disease persuaded me to do that. And it wasn't fair. It didn't seem fair that that's the way it was. But that indeed was the way it was for me. So all I know from my experience is I could not get well could not have a spiritual awakening, you know, and there's a, you know, a spiritual awakening for me, very unscientific in how this occurred. It just, I just worked the steps, you know, all the way through. If I'm on step four or step five or step six, I haven't had a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease. I mean, step 12 is pretty clear. You know, we're, we're in that part working with others having had a spiritual awakening as the result of working these steps. Larry, what, what's more clear than that? You're on step four, buddy. You haven't had a spiritual awakening. Why am I not feeling better? Why am I not changing? There was no promise that you would change yet, Larry. You may be changing, starting to change a little bit, but there's no promise that you would have a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease. And I had to get that. I had to get that deep down in my subconscious. I had to get that. 
And once I did, and I worked the steps and quit the debating, then something happened. And the same, if it happened for me, it can happen for you. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Larry. And Katie F., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. And, you know, it's said back um, in how it works on pages on page 58, at some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. And then on 59, half measures availed us nothing. So these are really strong warnings that if someone doesn't, isn't ready to, to you know, you say jump and they say how high, then you are probably wasting your time. Because I spent six years in OA saying, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. You know, I, I wanted what you had, but I didn't want to do what you did. And I, you know, when I work with newcomers now, I tell them what I do. And I work a very structured program. And if people don't need that much of a structured program, then they can find someone who doesn't have such a structured program but has um, the recovery they're looking for. And there are people out there. Not everybody is a critical level compulsive overeater, chronic liar, manipulator, uh, bend the rules, find a loophole like a little mouse, like I am. But until I was willing to admit that, you know, I'm admitting that willingly today on this line because I know that's what I am. I know that left to my own devices, I will find any way to not do what you want me to do because I think I'm so special and so different and so unique. And that idea had to be smashed. The idea that I could recover on my own and do it my way had to be smashed. And that's what this is saying, that we, um, if someone wants to rebel against it, then, um, you know, what I do is I reel people back in and say, you know what, we're not talking about um, step four right now. Let's just get through your first day. Let's just get um, through, you know, the surrender process. Don't worry about what you have to do, you know, uh, next week or next month. And that's the way my life is even today, that when I get projecting into the future and get fearful about the what-ifs of my life, and there still are what-ifs, um, you know, I have to be reeled back in by my sponsor and say, what's the next right thing to do today? And so if you're talking to a newcomer, the next right thing they need to do today is to be willing to surrender the food, to, to uh, put down the food, you know, and, and that – in OA is where the debate begins and it doesn't have to be that way um, the food can be put down uh, where it's not calling you anymore and you can accept this way of life and move on and have a beautiful life but if you stay back in that you know position of you know terminal uniqueness you're going to get nothing with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. And this is KG, and I'm just going to take a moment. I love this paragraph. 
um, what it reminds me of is I may rebel. So like this candidate, this applicant, right, to our program who's considering is he going to move forward with the program, he may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning. And it, it reminds me of, so what is rebel? It reminds me of the spiritual experience where it says there is a principle which is a bar against all information, proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That is contempt prior to investigation or bitter scorn. It's like defiance. I am I am internally defiant. And when I came in, I had to go continue going out there and get badly mangled and badly hurt because I wasn't, I was like, yeah, you know, what kind of spiritual program are we talking about? What kind of meal plan are we, like I wanted to negotiate, right? Like my life is going so well that I think negotiation is a really good skill. And so when I talk to newcomers, I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to tell them that I think what I have is what they need. I just share with them what I do. You know, I share with them that I'm a low bottom eater. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like what I saw is that my disease carried me down and ruled out all other options. It was like a barricade, right? There was nothing else. And yet internally when I came into OA, I was still judging and defiant you know, and how to, how to continue moving forward because all I knew that was, was what I was doing was not working. And I love that it talks about the capital F, Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And what I've been taught is that the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous is actually our fellowship of the spirit, right? This is our community of people who are staying absent a day at a time and working the steps. And living the steps and carrying that message over and over and staying clean and asking God for help and surrendering. This is an amazing community to be a part of, you know, and I, and it's different than that spirit of fellowship we get, you know, by showing up at meetings a day at a time and, and chatting and checking in. This fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous capitalized is, are the, are the women that I call on a daily basis and do my tens. So that when I'm continuing, maybe I'm having a little bit of bitter scorn or dislike or defiance, they're going to call me out on that. You know, and so when I talk to a newcomer, I share, you know what, guys? I am recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and my life is transformed. But guess what? I am not perfect. And that is why, for me, the steps are not linear. They are circular, and I continue to go through. And I know that if I had not taken action, and so what that means is I shut my mouth and I move my feet. If I had not taken action and surrendered to something, I, I don't know where I would be today. And it is a privilege to have the opportunity to continue to learn where I can shut my mouth, open my ears, and show up and ask God where I can be of service today and, and be a part of this dynamic, amazing fellowship of the Spirit that is not, you know, it's not fighting me, but it's pointing me to God and pointing me to the truth every day, and that is a true privilege. And with that, I will pass, and I would love to hear more sharing on this paragraph. Sally? Hi, it's Rachel. I'd like to share. Sally? Great. So I have Sally, and I have Rachel. Was there anybody else? Lovely. Okay. Can we begin with that? I'm sorry, what was your name? Leia S. Leia S. Okay. Anybody else? All right, we'll begin with Sally, Rachel, and then Leah S. Sally, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Sally A. 
a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And um, so before I go into this sentence, your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. I just want to dip back into the last paragraph, the very ending, where it says, the more hopeless he feels, the better. And this is a sentence that really describes a conversation that many of us have. You know, we hear people say, he's not ready, she's not ready, or she's not desperate enough, she doesn't have the gift of desperation, or she does have the gift of desperation. I can hear the gift of desperation. I think this sentence is really important, and it really applies to the one that we're, the paragraph that we're in. The more hopeless he feels, the better. And the reason they say that is because the more hopeless he feels, most likely he may have reached his bottom and he may be willing to follow these simple instructions. So Sally, please press star one. We cannot hear you. I'm back. So when we get to this paragraph, your candidate may give reasons for why he need not follow all of the program. You know, it's kind of a pain. It's a bit of a, a difficulty when, when someone comes and they, they, want, they want our help, a recovered person's help, when they ask me for help, and they come, but there's all kinds of disclaimers, oh, I can't, I don't have time. And this is a real key issue for me, when people don't have time or they don't have the, the level of commitment that it really takes to be recovered. You know, my first instinct in my brain is I put everything in the perspective for me in this program that I have a form of cancer. It's eating me from the inside out. And when I, when I did this program, when I came to my sponsor two years ago, desperate to become this word recovered that I had just fell into, I had just heard for the first time, my perspective was whatever you tell me to do, I don't care what you tell me to do. If you tell me to go down to the, to the highway, park my car, get out and walk down, not even walk, crawl down the road and lick the yellow line, I was so ready to do whatever I was asked to do. It didn't matter what I was asked to do. It was simply, I was listening. I was ready to listen. I had tried everything. I had even tried OA, and it didn't work. So when I learned that this book was an instruction manual, I was ready to eat it. I was literally ready to take it apart and eat it. So when you get to the bottom of the paragraph, and it says, if he shows interest, Lend him your copy of this book. This is the instruction manual. And over and over now on page 95 and on 96, it's going to say it again. Two paragraphs up, it says, if he is sincerely interested, this is the new guy who's just come to you and he wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. What's the interval? He's got to get cleared. His brain. Sally, you've been muted again. Please press star one. Sally, okay. if you could... I guess that's my signal. I'll just end by saying, uh, I, I didn't know whether you heard me say it, uh, two paragraphs up, he is sincerely, if he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. And the interval is that when we first come to someone, we, we really want to get ready. If you're not... 
if you haven't left the food fog stage the first couple of days when you're in a food fog, it's very, very helpful to start reading this book and get cleared before you try to listen. And that's a, a, a very important starting place that this book brings us to, that we would start reading, that we would, start, that we would come prepared to listen and follow directions. Thanks for letting me share with that, I guess. Thanks, Sally, and we'll continue our sharing for three minutes on this paragraph with Rachel. Rachel, please go ahead. Thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Compulsor, Rachel H. calling from New York. Good morning. Thank you so much, everyone, for your service. So what a, as everything in the big book, what powerful words and what amazing guidance in terms of how to deal and work with other people, especially those who need help. Um, I know for me, it's very difficult for me to give someone, to provide help to someone without telling them what to do, without trying to fix them, without feeling willful about it. Um, I, I really relate to this a lot because I'm still early on in my recovery and early on in my steps. And I, it, it's crazy like seeing myself in the big book um, I don't know if that's a if that's a reflection of my self obsession or just the fact that the big book is so amazing. But when it says, um, you know, your candidate make your reasons why he need not follow all the programs, he may rebel at the thought of a drastic house. He may he may um one second uh, he he may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning which requires discussion with other people. I mean, here I was binging my brains out hopeless, you know, and when I'm talking to my potential sponsor about the program, I'm sitting there saying, well, I'm really concerned about, you know, having to make amends with people later. And it's like, hello, like I have like crumbs on the side of my mouth. Like that's how much I'm in the disease physically, emotionally. And thank God I'm not in that place right now. And I'm abstinent and I'm working the steps. I mean, right now I know that it makes sense for me to feel irritable, content because I haven't gotten through the steps. Um, But I totally understand this in terms of this idea of, hello, like, like, look where you are right now. And, and I always have to remind myself that I am drowning. This disease not a disease of a middle. It's not a disease of, oh, I'm struggling. No, no. I am drowning. I am literally drowning, and I don't need to believe in a God to be saved. I just need to believe that I can't save myself in those waters of the disease. I need to grab onto something that could save me, and it's not myself. I can't save myself. And having the patience to take things one day at a time is helpful, but even more than that, it for me, it's about having a relationship with a higher power where I can say to myself or feel inside my heart that I have steps ahead of me to get through, and yes, house cleaning, discussion with other people may be scary, but when I'm at that place, God willing, I will be a different person, which is, you know, what my sponsor has said to me, that it's like I'm using. I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to have the same head I have now at that step, and so it scares me. Um, 
So I, I'm working on that, of just really being with the stuff on that right now. And But wow, what, a, what an amazing, you know, really kind of blows it out of water in terms of that, yeah, even though we are so convinced we are compulsive eaters and we are so convinced that we are addicts, it says, do not contradict such views. Like, don't argue with them. Like, they have their defenses up for a reason. And it's not our job to break someone down. It's it's not about a negative. We're not looking for them to have a negative, humiliating experience where they where they feel like, oh, my gosh, I really am living in this illusion. Oh, my gosh. And then they associate that humiliation with us. But rather showing them that there's something better. I mean, even for me, I see at work, friends, family, and people say to me, your face is glowing. Like, what's going on? Like, you know, and I don't need to go on and on with them about how, well, sugar is so bad because it makes you this. And no, it, it, it's when people see the positive, the positive example, the positive role model, they see the effects on your body, but it's, it's, that glow, you know, like I once heard a woman share that the most uninteresting part of her is her weight loss, and that blew me away because in my mind, like, oh my gosh, weight loss is everything. That's the most the most interesting part of who you are is what your body looks like. And when I think about that idea, it's like, wow, this program is so much bigger than that. And when we talk to someone else and we show them that weight is just data in our lives, it's not not about who we are, we've enlarged our spiritual life, it's an amazing experience. Okay, with that I pass, and thank you all so much. Thanks, Rachel, and we'll continue our three minutes sharing on this paragraph with Leah S. Leah? Good morning, Katie, and thank you all. This is Leah S. from Brooklyn, New York, and um, what this paragraph is telling me is continuing to give me direction on how to spread my positive um, my positive um, feelings and and how to go about um, discussing and telling uh, doing basically doing 12 steps so we have reached um, to page 94 and we're going through all these, um, this is this is just a continuation of of direction and with what wisdom, with what clarity and it is so you have answers in every situation and in every kind of if you really want to find it and you can identify and it is so amazing. Um, it's also telling me that about my attraction rather than than telling the other person exactly how they have to do it, but also they should be able to focus and, and to want to come to me and to want to discuss how to do this program. And then again, also I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go on to this uh, sentence on your first visit. Tell him about the fellowship, the fellowship which is so full of love and so full of direction and so so doable. And um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And I think we're ready to move on. Michelle H., will you pick us up with the next paragraph, please? Good morning, everyone. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, 
Do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. And um, as as we're describing, working with others, step 12, um, these are the directions on how I'm to to work with other people, to carry the message. And um, I'm just glancing back at the previous paragraph, and it says on your first visit. Um, so, so this is an initial talking to, um, if I may relate it, to like a newcomer who, first, who comes to their first meeting, and they're trying it out, and, and they're coming in to see if this is, you know, if this is for them. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm there to welcome them. Um, but not to wear out their welcome by trying to convince them. I'm going to give them a chance to think it over. And, you know, going on down, it says, you know, um, try not to um, exhibit this passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic. And, you know, Bill is sharing his experience, what happened to him. He found that, that that's what was happening when he would approach a newcomer or someone he was trying to talk to and share his program with. And, and it wasn't working, and Dr. Silkworth um, was, was, you know, ready to help him to see that, and he was ready to see that there needed to be a change. And, you know, when I first got recovered um, and was so excited um, about that spiritual awakening that I had, um, I, I can relate to how I was on that spiritual hilltop. And, yes, you know, I was so excited to be free from the bondage of food, but I saw that, you know, like the big book tells me, that, you know, to stop drinking is just the beginning. And I forgot that what got my attention um, when I was suffering was the story of what brought people into the rooms and, and how I could relate to the disease that was going on and that how these people became free from the bondage of food. And, you know, in the beginning, I, I couldn't see how I was a crusader and just really saying, oh, it's beyond the food, you know, it's that freedom from bondage itself. Well, you know, I wasn't getting anybody's, you know, I wasn't attracting anyone to the message. And slowly I learned that I need to show them how they worked for me. I need to show this new person how it worked for me to get free from, first, the bondage of food. Food has to die. I need to surrender that and, you know, how it's worked for me. The other thing that stands out, show him, um, show this person how they worked for me. Um, How it worked for me is I became a more compassionate, accepting, tolerant person um, that, you know, that tolerance and love compassion that we would show a sick friend, um, you know, that will come through as a recovered person. And that will also demonstrate how these steps worked for me because I won't be there trying to convince them um, to try to exert my will, my self-will. I'm going to realize that God does the healing, and I just need to lay out these, the spiritual toolkit and, and just get honest with them, share deep down within myself how this worked for me, how, yes, I came in and, um, you know, the food, the food had me. You know, it had my every thought. It had my every action. 
and I didn't think I would ever become free from the bondage of food. But, yes, I need to work these steps, and these steps will, will definitely help me. Um, but here, here's the person I was before, and this is the transformation, and I need to share and accept them right where they are, not forcing, not coercing, not on my spiritual hilltop, but just, you know, simply um, stated this is um, where I was and, you know, so they can identify him with me and just show them exactly, um, offering and extending a friend of, you know, friendship, but that this is serious business. It was, it's a fatal disease, and if you're interested, I'm here to help. That I pass. Thank you, Michelle. And who would like to comment on the paragraph we just read? Kim. Sure, Kim. Go ahead. Was there anyone else? Did I miss someone? Paula. Paula. Great. Just checking my ears. Great. So we'll start with Kim and then we'll go to Paula. Kim, go ahead, please. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to pick up on this line. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. And I have to say, as a fellowship, I think we do this. You know, how often when a newcomer comes in, do we bring them to the chapter how it works? Because we want to get them in and tell them about that inventory, and they don't know what they suffer from. You know, and I just here tell the new man, I think this is often a problem for those of us like me who've been in the program 10, 20, 30 years even. I'm like, yeah, 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 I've done steps one, two, and three. I just want to go right to the inventory. But think about the way the big book is set up. The inventory starts on page 64. So we've had, with the doctor's opinion, 70-something pages to study before that. And if we just let people start the inventory and they haven't gotten grounded in steps one, two, and three, and then they tumble back into the food, they're going to think that the steps don't work. So let me tell you, for what does step one mean? Do I really know that I'm powerless? You know, for many years, and over anonymous, what I would do is when, in my meetings, they would often say, are there any other compulsive overeaters here besides myself? And I would raise my hand. But what I was really raising my hand to was, I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore, or I'm no longer fat and I'm terrified of getting fat again. I didn't know what a compulsive overeater was. So I just like to challenge everybody. Something I often ask people who've been in their rooms a long time that told me they've done steps one, two, and three. I say to them, okay, let's pretend a Martian came down from outer space, never been to Earth, and he asks you, what is a compulsive overeater? Try to describe to me who a compulsive overeater is in three minutes. And often people are stumped. Um, 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 well, I eat too much. A lot of people eat too much. And you start to list the consequences, the diabetes, the obesity, my knee's been replaced, I've had bariatric surgery. That doesn't make us compulsive overeaters. What makes us compulsive overeaters is this twofold nature, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. So I just like to challenge people. If, if you're struggling and you want to get to these later steps, why don't you call someone and, and try to describe what is a compulsive overeater? Try to really break that down because until we know what we suffer from, in my experience, we're not going to submit to this program the way we need to so that we can recover from this illness. So I'll read that one more time. Sometimes a new man, or like I said, someone who's been in the room for 30 years, is tempted, is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Kim. And Paula, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie, and thank you for your service this morning. And uh, good morning to all my fellow travelers. And this would be Paula D. from New Hampshire. You know, I just want to look at that top line, right on the top of the page, working with others. And we see a subtle difference here. Unless your friend, wait a minute. Now we talked about protege. We talked about prospect. We talked about candidate. We've moved to friend now. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. You know, oftentimes I would visit my children and I would be in the home, and I wished I had a video camera of when I, that door shuts and I'm going out to the car. You know what it would be doing? I'm going to be clear here. They'd be going with their head. Oh, whew, thank goodness she's gone. Thank goodness she's gone. What did I bring? What did I bring? Do not wear out your welcome. You came for visit. You didn't came to correct. You didn't came to clean. I love this part as we go down, and I'm going to move right on down. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Did we forget where we were? If the tables were turned and the tables were at one time, I know who I am and I know who I was, and I know where they are. Never talk down. Simply, and I love this, lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspections. Yes, I don't hand it to him. I can't do that. I put him at his feet. His action is to bend down and to pick them up. That I cannot do for him. Let him look at it. Let him inspect it. Hmm, maybe I could use this. Show him how they work for you. Oh, isn't this beautiful? And then again, it uses this word, Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him if he wants to get well. You will do anything to help. Did we not start to be helpful as our only aim? I keep going back to that line because it reinforces why we are there. We're not there to get another award like in Girl Scout. Oop, another badge. Pin it on, girl. No. No. I am growing tomatoes, and some of them are red at a certain time. I am so excited when they get red. <gasps> Look, at they got red, but I couldn't control it. I couldn't get make them get red. I did my part. I fertilized. I put them out in the sun. I would turn even the, turn the plant. These are patio, patio tomatoes. Turn the plant. But I have no control over that. But I do my part, and I will do anything to help. A flower blooms at his own pace. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And I would like to continue welcoming sharing on this paragraph this morning. Who wants to share? Rabia. Rabia, please go ahead. Rabia and Leah. And let me just pause one more minute, Rabia. Did I miss anybody else? Fantastic. We'll begin with Rabia and then go to Leah. Rabia, please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Rabia. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York and just loving everyone sharing as usual. So this very last sentence, tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. What does that even mean? 
this line used to scare the hell out of me. And this is why I never wanted to be a sponsor, you know, because what does that mean to do anything to help? Like, is someone going to want me to be a sponsor? Like, I had a sponsor who was someone I could call every day. She would help me figure out my food plan. I'd call her my food plan. It's like I practically held her hostage, you know, like she she was my guide. She was my God. And, and if I missed a day in talking to her, you know, I I just felt so vulnerable. I was so dependent on her, and um, and and you know, I, that really scared me that someone would be that dependent on me. And um, so, the freedom that I have today of knowing exactly what that means—what I will do anything to help—I will do exactly what my big book guide did for me to help me be recovered, and, um, you know, I said yesterday, and I mean it because it gives me chills when I say it, that I am recovered on my big book guide's 12th step, and um, and exactly the way she took me through the big book, I'm taking uh, new sponsees through the big book, and I know that we're going to be through the big book in seven or eight weeks, you know, that it's a definite um, uh um, I don't even know what the word is besides, uh, oh, precise directions. That's what it is, yes. And that, the, the, and that's where I have my freedom. Like, I have, they'll, they'll develop their own intimate relationship with the big book and, and their own intimate experiences. Um, however, uh, I, I'm just moving them along through the pages because they're going to find the God of their own understanding and 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 that's and that's what I need to do and and we set up a certain time schedule for the week when we talk to each other and and they early on developed the same passion for the big book that I have and so so it's a grow grow win-win situation for both of us I love guiding people through this big book and and the way my my um, guide guided me through it, and so I, well, I'll end by saying once again, the freedom I have in my life is by these precise directions that I'm learning here every morning, and thank you all, and I pass. Thank you, Rabia. And Leah, please continue our sharing. Thank you so much, KDG. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show them how they work with you. You know, it's a very tender thing, you know, talking to a still-suffering compulsive overeater. You know, the big book teaches us that, you know, that dark past that we lived is now going to become the greatest possession that we have, you know, because we have experienced a particular uh you know, journey in our lives, we know uh, more about compulsive overeating than anybody alive because we're the only people that have experienced it. And we now know more about recovery from compulsive overeating than anybody alive because we're the only people that have experienced that. So God has equipped us with some very, very unique knowledge and experience to help very, very unique group of human beings. So this is not about... Um, me trying to persuade somebody, you know, this is just uh, sharing with them what worked with me, 
you know, I love to laugh. Anybody that's been around me in a room, you know, I, I love, love, love la- to laugh. You know, I really do. Recovery has enabled that. But it wasn't laughter that, uh, you know, <laughs> brought me here by any means. It was pain and tears and rage and desperation. That was the motivator to affect, you know, change in someone like me. So, you know, when I when I speak to somebody, you know, I tell them that, uh, you know, I've been absent since January 19, 1987, and, and that says a couple of things. You know, I haven't needed to take that first compulsive bite because this program of recovery has given me these steps and these principles to work with to make those changes uh, within myself with God's help and my attitude so it's no longer necessary uh, for me to look for some uh, substance to make me feel comfortable. And the other thing that that says is that this program works. Something came between me and compulsive overeating more than 27 years ago and has been there ever since. And that's called the recovery process. You know, the big book uh, teaches us about alcohol, you know, compulsive overeating. But, of course, we all know that that is just a symptom of the problem. I knew everything there was about compulsive overeating. I was a very smart compulsive overeater. I had done a lot of reading, and I had sought a lot of help, assistance from physicians and other well-meaning people. I had a wide variety of experience with compulsive overeating. What I didn't know about prior to January 1987 is how does Leah live in Leah without needing to binge to stand it? You know, and when someone sat across from me and shared with me that their life had been transformed by these, uh, this kit of spiritual tools, I left that conversation with something I came in without. I left with hope. I had hope. I had hope that I did not have to live in this madness and mayhem anymore. And so it was through that conversation uh, which offered me friendship and some fellowship and a message of hope and possibility that I left there and with, with the understanding that I did not have to compulsively overeat anymore. I did not have to live that way anymore. I did not have to sit in a car in a dark parking lot for hours and binge my brains out until my eyeballs hurt. I did not have to do that. There was going to be a way out. Why? How did I know that? Because there was a recovered fellow, recovered people that were living proof of this program of recovery. And that's what we who are recovered have to offer today. When we talk to newcomers one-on-one or when we talk to newcomers on this line, we are living proof that some power greater than human power is working in our lives also. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah, so much. And... I want to welcome, does someone have um, like a one-minute share that they can share with us, or you're welcome to wait until the second part of the meeting. Certainly don't want you to feel rushed, but try to be mindful of our meeting time. So does someone want to take a chance for one minute? (laughs) This is Janice. Janice, please go ahead. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Vision, for you. I can attest that Leia loves to laugh. I can attest that Leah loves to laugh. And I was shown that as well. I was shown that as well. You know, in talking with someone who still suffers, they are they are in that crazy place that I once was. You know, they are experiencing those emotional highs and lows that always drove them to the food. 
and I can speak to that. You know, we can match match each other's story for story. The details might be different, but our experience is oh so the same because we are oh so human. So if I can show them that this is what worked for me and they can relate to it, then there is hope there, that there is hope there. Someone had to do that for me, that this program would teach me how to handle sobriety. Because I knew how to handle compulsive overeating. I've been doing it for a long time. And it had me at the bottom, at the very bottom. But you know, that bottom was the turn of the tide, the turn of the tide, and then I could see and find hope here. So thanks for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Janice, and just want to thank everyone. It is a privilege uh, to facilitate this meeting, and thank you so much, everyone, for your service. Um, I would like to... um, close the reading, close the meeting rather, with a reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, on page 164. And I would like to ask for Kesset to please read the vision for you. Kesset, are you available to please read a vision for you? Yeah, yes, Katie. Hang on just a second. Hi, this is Rakefit, Compulsive Overeater from California, and page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.